0: Thank you for listening to this chapel message, originally presented at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. With more than 70 on-campus and online programs, Clark Summit University prepares Christ-centered, career-ready graduates to make a difference around the world. We hope this is an encouragement to you today. I grew up in New England, uh, in the state of Connecticut, where I currently live and serve. I grew up in a fundamental... Baptist Church, which means that I received solid biblical teaching. Unfortunately, it also meant that I encountered this thing called legalism. Legalism is when man-made rules are put in place to sort of supplement the Bible, and the, the real issue with legalism becomes when those man-made rules Uh, are used to determine a person's spirituality. In other words, if you follow these rules, then we know that you're spiritual, and if you don't, then we're gonna question your spirituality. It really graded on me, and uh, because of that, by the time I was into my later teenage years, and certainly by the time I graduated from high school, I didn't want to have anything to do with church folk or the church. And so while On the inside, I kind of knew God was leading me to ministry. I absolutely wanted nothing to do with it. And instead, I went off to a secular university, University of Connecticut. Husky fans? No. Thank you. One Husky fan in the house. I went to University of Connecticut. And on rare occasions, uh, you know, the topic of God or the Bible might come up. And uh, what I found was that other people had this same complaint that I did, which was the church seems to be full of hypocrites. You see, legalism breeds hypocrisy. It it breeds a system and a place in which you are always trying to make it seem like you're something on the outside that's not true. And so here I was trying to run away from the church and I'm in a secular university and I find a lot of students there have the same issue. Well, later I would stop running from God, I would go into ministry, I, I would go uh, become a youth pastor and I would minister in Maryland in a church of almost a thousand. And would you believe that uh, even as a, a youth pastor serving in Maryland, I found uh, not only hypocrites, but I found young people who were being affected by this, who, like I had been, were really struggling with this fact that they'd see their parents, they'd see adults in the church who acted one way on Sundays and acted totally different other days of the week. And so I. Had to minister to that a lot and had to address that a lot and and I in particular my my uh, title was youth and young adult pastor so I was also ministering to young adults and uh, in a church of uh, almost a thousand eight hundred to nine hundred each Sunday um, how many young adults do you think uh, uh, attended and were uh, actively serving in that church anybody go ahead th- throw out some numbers church of eight hundred 12, 3, any others? 10, it was 5. In a church of, <laughs> did you win? <laughs> if you go to the table down at Phelps Center, there is, a, it's only for you, there's There's a credit card holder that you can put on your cell phone, it's just yours, only yours. <laughs> So in this in this church of uh, almost a thousand there were only five young adults that were plugged in. Now there were 10 we doubled it who who attended on a semi-regular basis but there were only five who were plugged in and so I said to them Why, what is this what's going on? Where are your counterparts? I know that there were other young adults who grew up in this church and and they're not here you know where is everybody And so I started asking, uh, young adults. I would connect with parents of of young adults who had grown up in the church, and uh, even with my young adult group. Instead of having our weekly meetings at the church, we would have them out in public places. Well, there was a um, there was a Starbucks and a Panera Bread that we used to like to go to, and uh, we would invite other young adults if we saw them in there to join us in our conversation, because uh, we would just have very open and honest conversations, and they, uh, the young adults knew that they could invite their co-workers and friends, whether they were unchurched, unbelievers, it didn't matter, uh, but over and over throughout all this time, the, the, the feedback that I kept getting was consistent, all right, and the, the number one issue that people had with God was, I would sum it up this way, if there is a God, why dot dot dot, right, why is there so much evil, why do bad things happen to good people, that sort of thing. But number two, and it was a really close number two, like 1A was, oh, and by the way, Christians are hypocrites. So you have this God that we're not sure if he loves us, but those that are supposed to be his representatives are the most two-faced people that I know. So what do we do with that? Because I'm sure at some point, you have encountered hypocrites in your life. If you grew up in the church, at some point, you've encountered hypocrites. And I'm going to go really out on a ledge here, but I'm going to say probably at some point, even here on this campus, you've encountered hypocrites. And so the problem becomes, what do we do about this? That's what I want to look at today. Uh, today I'm going to specifically look at what I believe uh, two things that the scripture has to say about hypocrites, and then tomorrow I'm going to look at just one passage. I'm going to dive into this passage because I believe this passage gives us a personal antidote for remedying hypocrisy in our own lives, because that's the other thing that we're about to get into. Sometimes the hypocrite that we see is ourselves. So bow with me if you would. Lord, I do thank you for this time that I have to share your word. I thank you for these young people, for the work you are doing in their lives, and I just pray that this whole time would be profitable for you, for your kingdom, for your glory. So minimize me as the messenger, and Lord, maximize your message for each one here. In your name I pray. Amen. So in Scripture, the word that, uh, that is translated uh, hypocrite is from the Greek, Hippocrates. And it means to be a pretender, or literally to have two faces. It's interesting because it was commonly used of actors back then, stage actors, who would put on a mask. And the idea of them being two-faced was that what they presented to people was not actually authentic. It was not the real them. They were playing a part. That's the root of the word that the Bible used for the word hip, hypocrite. I have found in Scripture that I find that the Bible identifies two types of hypocrites. And that's what I want to look at. And for the first one, I go to Matthew 23. The first type of hypocrite that the Bible identifies is a hypocrite who actually isn't really a Christian. Matthew 23, I'm not gonna go through the whole passage, but in Matthew 23, Jesus is declaring woes to the religious leaders. He is addressing the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders, and he's, and he's declaring woes to them. And you never wanna be on the on the wrong side of a woe. I'm not sure that you ever wanna have a woe anyways. I mean, just you don't wanna be woeing and you don't wanna have anybody woeing you, I'm pretty sure, in life. And Jesus is declaring woes. Woes can be a declaration Of of, of great emotion and sorrow, but it can also be a declaration of impending judgment. And that's what Jesus is doing here as he confronts the religious leaders. He's saying to them, you better watch out, you better clean things up, because I see what you're doing, I see what you're about, and I'm not having it. So you better get your act together quick, or else judgment is coming on you. We see this specifically uh, here in the verses that I have, verses 13 and 15 here, where Jesus specifically says, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's face, for you neither enter yourself nor allow those who would enter to go in.'" He says in verse 15, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single convert, and when he becomes a convert... To, uh, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you yourself are. These are the religious leaders. If I were to apply it to today, these are the pastors, these are the elders, these are the deacons. These are the ministers, these are the televangelists. And he looks at them and he says, you go, you go all out to get converts. Converts. The problem is the converts that you convert are converts to you. And the problem with that is that you don't actually believe in me. These are church folk. These are church leaders. And even today, we have to understand that within the kingdom, within the church, there are people who know how to talk the talk, they know how to say, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. They know how to say, oh, that's so bad, I'm so sorry that happened, I'll pray for you. They know how to how to maneuver. But they are not true believers. Jesus exposes this in a parable. In Matthew chapter 13, he tells the parable about the weeds. And in this parable, I'm going to kind of jump through a little bit for the sake of time. I want to get specifically to his words here. He's told this parable about a person who's gone out and they've they've planted seed in their field. But while they're sleeping, an enemy comes in and, and throws other bad seed in there. And when the plants come up, there's the fruit that's supposed to come up, but mixed in with it is also these weeds. Verse 28, he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather wheat into my barn. As you progress in the passage... His disciples ask him about this. They're like, okay, we think we know what you're saying, but could you break that down for us? And so he goes on, he elaborates, and he breaks down exactly what he has said here. Verse 37, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels. They will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has an ear, let him hear. This makes it very, very clear. I mean, you you can't miss this, that there are going to be fakers, there are going to be frauds in the church. Some of them may be the leaders. Some of them may be people who have attended for years. But the bottom line is that they've never truly placed their faith in Jesus. Before I go forward, I want to say this. Don't let it be you. Man, don't don't hang around in church. Don't grow up in church. Don't be around Christians. Don't be don't be hearing God's word taught to you for years and years and just say, "Yeah, that's good stories, that's good stuff." And never realize that ultimately the Bible calls you to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. Don't be fool. Just because you attend church, just because you attend a Christian university does not mean that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. So my plea to you this morning, because yes, I know even at a college campus, a Christian college campus, where many of you grew up going to church, I know that there are people who have not become believers yet. And one of the reasons I know is because one of of my podcast team members didn't get saved until they came to school here. They grew up in the church, they walked down the aisle, they got baptized, and it wasn't until coming here and studying God's Word and having it convict them, did they realize, oh my goodness, I've never actually placed my faith in Jesus. So my plea, first of all, is don't let that be you. But the other thing that I want to point out is that when they when they ask Jesus, hey, you want us to go get these folks? You want us to go call out a hypocrite? Because, because I'll, I'll, be, I'll admit, man, I mean, I'm I'm getting a little softer in my older age, but when I was younger, man, there was nothing better than confronting people, man. I'm going to get all up in their face. Tell them a thing or two about them that they don't know. And he's like, no, 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 no. No, that's not your job. I'm like, what, what? Because I was pretty sure it was my spiritual gift. <laughs> Isn't that on the list? Calling out... Hypocrite? He's like, no, no, no. You leave them. I'll take care of them. And so the first thing that we have to realize when we deal with hypocrites in the church, God knows. God knows. And he's like, I will take care of it. You focus on me. In fact, I didn't, I didn't put this passage up there, but one of the things that it immediately reminds me of is when Peter uh, was restored to ministry by Jesus. That's the whole feed my sheep narrative. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my lambs. Remember that? And when that's all done, Jesus, if you remember, tells him a prophecy of his own life. This is what's going to happen to you one day. And Peter's like, that is so cool. And he sees John walking by and he's like, what about him? And Jesus looks at him and goes, what's he got to do with you and me? You focus on me, I'll take care of him. And in the kindest way possible, I had to realize that's what Jesus was saying to me about hypocrites in the church. Brendan, don't you worry about them. I need you to focus on me and let me take care of that. So that's the first type of hypocrite that we see. The second type of hypocrite that we see is a true Christian who is simply sinning. I mean, it happens to the best of us, right? We all sin. I know you thought I was perfect, (laughs) 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 I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I have, uh, my wife and I have a 14-year-old daughter, and neither of them could be here, but I, I, I'm telling you, if I made that public admission with them sitting down there, they both would have jumped up and screamed hallelujah. Because <laughs> they know I'm not perfect. Look at what Jesus says here. This is a, a well-used passage. In fact, a lot of folks use it to say, hey, you shouldn't judge. The Bible says you shouldn't judge. Jesus says, uh, judge not that you be not judged, for the judgment you pronounce, will be ju- uh, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? Tsk, tsk, that's bad. <laughs> no, no, no. He says, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, uh, it's funny. Uh, he isn't saying in this passage that we shouldn't judge. What he's saying is we shouldn't judge hypocritically. And he defines hypocritical judging by pointing out that when all you do is see the fault of your brother or sister, when all you do is see the fault of of other Christians when all you do is see their stuff and you never seem to notice the the, 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 the barrel the the trash all the sin in your own life that you just kind of you kind of keep shoving it back into the closet trying to close the door but but you're all set to tell everybody else he says you're a hypocrite He says what you need to do, first of all, is get real about your own sin and deal with your own sin. And then, when you deal with your own sin, then you'll be prepared to deal with your brother or sister's sins. And then, by the way, there's a plethora of passages about that, about how to lovingly confront a brother or sister, about how to seek reconciliation with them and that sort of thing. But somehow we never get there because we just start rip-roaring out there letting them know about their stuff. But we're actually being a hypocrite. Well, there's another example of this. And it's our, our boy Peter. He's always getting picked on, man. I'm glad Scripture isn't being written today. I'm afraid what they would say about me. (laughs) So here's Peter, and uh, Paul has to confront him. Galatians, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Oh, by the way, if Jesus said that we aren't supposed to judge, what's Paul doing here? He's judging. He's hanging out. It's the same dude who had, uh, had the sheet come down with the raven, the dirty bird, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and God would say to him, what I consider clean, don't you call dirty. And so here's Peter. He's like, oh, I have a new lease on life. I have a new view of things. Turns out these Gentiles aren't that bad after all. Here, I thought they were evil, horrible dogs. But, you know, turns out some of them are pretty nice people. And he's hanging out with these Gentile believers until, until some of his Jewish brothers come in the room. And he knows what they're going to say. He knows they're going to be like, why are you hanging out with them? And he doesn't want to face that. So instead, he gets up and leaves and goes and hangs out with his Jewish brothers. And it says, those that were with him did the same, including Barnabas. And that's another whole story about why it was so... Crazy that Barnabas got pulled away in this. And Paul says, Listen, when you do this, I mean, it's bad enough that, that this is wrong for you to do, but don't you understand that when you do this, you're actually perverting the gospel. Because the gospel is about, supposed to be about something that brings us all together. The gospel is supposed to be about uniting everyone in Christ. The gospel is supposed to be about anyone can come and find that they are equal before the Lord, but you're still putting back those human divisions between people. You're wrong. You're a hypocrite, you're a sinner, and you're wrong. Wow. Wow. Told you that used to be my mantra. I was like, Yeah, that's my spiritual gift right there. I'm gonna go get somebody. The fact of the matter is, we all sin, and sometimes that sin is hypocrisy. And so, what I'm simply trying to say today is that we need to be very careful. You ever notice that when you point the finger at somebody else, there's actually more fingers pointing back at you? Think about it. That's why I point like this. (laughs) Do you know what you're doing? So, if we're honest, we'll admit that sometimes in our own life, we've been the hypocrite. So, when I'm confronted by the charge of hypocrisy, when I have young adults, when I have unchurched folk, when I have de-churched folk, people who grew up in the church and have left it, when they come to me and they say to me, Christians are hypocrites, you know what I say to them? You're right. I'm sorry but you're right. And listen, it may not help things, but, you know, people beyond Christians are hypocrites. (laughs) I bet if you look in your workplace, you'll find hypocrites there too. But the reality is, yes, Christians are are hypocrites. But again, my challenge to you today is, first of all, don't be the first type of hypocrite who is a person who's playing church and playing Christian, but isn't really a Christian. Look to the Word. Know that Jesus has died for your sins. And place your faith in Christ today. Number two, let's not be hypocrites as we do talk with our brothers and sisters. Let's deal with our own issues and our own sins before we lovingly confront our brothers and sisters. Number three, let's thank the Lord that part of spiritual growth is actually becoming less hypocritical. Let's focus on Christ. Focus on what he has for you. Focus on who he is and the work he's doing in your life. And what flows out of that will be far less hypocritical and far more beneficial for the kingdom of God. We dealt with this particular topic on our very first episode of our podcast, so I certainly encourage you to go back and uh, look up our, go to our, our page and, and look up that episode. Tomorrow, I'm going to look at one specific passage. And this passage, I believe, is, is as I said, uh, the absolute way to move forward and not worry about hypocrites and leave them behind and to simply focus on God. We're going to look at that tomorrow in the passage that I'm going to share. Thank you, Lord, once again for this day, for this opportunity to share with these young folks. I thank you again for the work that you are doing in each of their lives, that you are molding and shaping them uh, to be ministers in their homes, in their communities. Uh, Lord, as whether they, uh, whatever capacity or career they have, uh, you still have a desire to use them to minister to folks around them. So, Lord, help them come to grips with this issue of hypocrisy. Help them uh, find solace in uh, in the fact that you are aware of the hypocrites and you are going to deal with them. And help us all to do, as you said to Peter, to simply focus on you and let you take care of the others. I thank you for this time, and I pray, Lord, that it has all been for your glory. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this chapel message, originally presented at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. With more than 70 on campus and online programs, Clark Summit University prepares Christ centered, career ready graduates to make a difference around the world. We hope this is an encouragement to you today.